Uh, well, good morning. Oh, would you stand with me? And let's read a verse appropriate to Father's Day. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power of your word. And I thank you that you are our Father. And I pray that you would manifest yourself that way here today, in this room, to every person here. The hearts that are joyous and the hearts that are broken. May they find a Father in you. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, <clears throat> back on Mother's Day, uh, had a young man come up to me afterwards and go, Bless us. Uh, Mother's Day is a tough day, isn't it? And I said, No, actually, Mother's Day is a piece of cake. That's uh, Father's Day is the hard ones. And he went, Well, why? And I said, Well, some people have daddy issues. Yeah. And not only that, some of the people who have daddy issues are the daddies. Uh, because it's hard to be a father. Uh, it really is. And, and, and I know that, you know, some people have been hurt. Some people have felt abandoned. Some people don't maybe even know their father. Uh, but I'll, I, I, and I don't know your father, but I know this. I know that there's a, a hurt place in his heart because, you know, it's, it's, most important job that you've been handed in your life and to feel like you didn't succeed in it. That's tough. That's, uh, that can be really hard. And so here's what I want to do today. Uh, for, for every person here, whether you're, whether you're uh, uh, a, a child who maybe has issues with your father or maybe, or maybe you're a father who kind of goes, boy, I don't want to hear this. I mean, I know. What... No, listen, listen. Take all of that and lay it down. Just lay it down. Lay it down for 30 minutes for us here. I mean, you can do that. Uh, I've mentioned before, it changed my life when I walked into geometry class and Mr. Blair came in and goes, students, let's enter this year with high spirits. And it had never occurred to me that I could do that. Okay, well, maybe it's never occurred to you on Father's Day, take 30 minutes and lay it down. Lay it down. Now, let's talk about some good stuff. So I, I want to I I share. Uh, I'm going to talk about my dad some and, and, and some of the things that I've learned. Uh, 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 some of you remember my dad. A few of you remember my dad. He did not belong to the mafia, but uh, that's, that's, the kind of, that's the kind of picture that, that people made back, uh, back in those days. Uh, he was the youngest uh, surviving child of... Uh, well, actually, he was the youngest son of, of six children. Only five of them did survive. He had, he had uh, three older brothers and an older sister. And then he had a younger sister who, who died in infancy. Uh, his father died when he was four years old in 1920. He died in the influenza epidemic. Uh, his, uh, his father was a sharecropper. And his mother uh, spent the rest of her life as, as a widow, widow of a sharecropper, raising, raising five kids. Um, much of it during the during the depression during those days, um, 
he went through the eighth grade. That was as far as he was able to go before it was time to uh, got to get got to get a job and let's do let's do some work. Uh, when he was twenty, he got married to a sixteen year old, uh, robbed a cradle, did a did a really nice job though. I'll have to say that. Uh, I had a had a friend from high school that I was um, uh, spent some time with last month and. I uh, hadn't seen him in years and years, and we got to talking about our parents and everything, and he said, you know, I always thought that your dad, that I always thought that your mom was a really good-looking woman. Now, your dad wasn't much of a looker, and, and uh, I went, well, yeah, but he, when, he was, when he was younger, before you knew him, uh, actually before I knew him, uh, but anyway, he, uh, and he, I say he only went to eighth grade, he also went to Bible school, went to Bible school out near Dallas, Texas. He did not have a car. So he hitchhiked to go to Bible school. He had hitchhiked to Dallas. He had hitchhiked back and uh, did that did that several times. And um, he was bivocational for most of his life. He had uh, he pastored uh, a church basically all of the time that I knew him. I, I was three, I think, when he when he took his first pastorate. Before that, he'd been on the evangelistic field. And uh, but he also. Uh, you know, when there, when, when you got 35 bucks a week coming in, whether you need it or not, you might have to do something else as well. And so, uh, he sold shoes and he was a butcher in a, in a grocery store. Uh, he had a great sense of humor, but unfortunately, uh, it was in a setting where it absolutely was not appreciated. Uh, it was, it was a time and a, and an era when, well, let's put it this way. My mom was brought up in a, in a rather stoic situation where laughter uh, was not considered a godly virtue whatsoever. And if anybody laughed in church, they would be invited to leave church. So, I mean, you know, what, what could he do? Uh, but yet that was one of the great gifts that God had given to him, was this sense of humor that he had. He established two churches. Uh, both times he came, they had 10 or 12 people, and he established them. This is one of them. Uh, both of them are are still going on, and both of them have been pretty innovative churches in in the way that they've ministered and the things that they've done. And it's so interesting because that was never a word that I would have associated with my dad. Uh, innovative, though, as I look back on things, maybe, possibly, possibly he was. He wasn't an athlete. Uh, he wasn't a, a scholar. Um, he wasn't a politician. He didn't climb the the denominational ladder. He probably could have maybe done some of that, but he didn't do that. Uh, and he wasn't a singer or a musician. How many of you have ever heard my dad sing? Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, not, not many. Uh, I heard him sing a lot. And uh, actually, I think he maybe could have been a singer. But, you know, I, 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 there was just this lack of confidence there. And so I think that sense of humor would kind of come out. And he'd just sort of go, well, let's have some pitch problems, shall we? Uh, you know, and some, some, some breath problems and stuff at times. So he never held the baton and conducted the band. But he was the leader of the band. And so were you. If you're a daddy. To somebody, you are the leader of the band. Let me tell you what he did do. He taught me to love Jesus. He taught me to tithe. That's one of the greatest gifts he gave to me. It's never been a challenge in my life because he taught it to me, you know, from, from the get-go. So that was, you know. Uh, he taught me to, to deal straight. He taught me to keep my word. A lot of times, 
And, and here's the thing. He didn't just say these things. He showed me somebody doing them. He showed me somebody living them out. I mean, there are times when I knew there were holes in the bottom of the shoes. The tithe check still got written. There were times when it would have been a whole lot easier to just go, well, I couldn't make it. No, if he said he was going to make it, he made it. He was there. Whatever he said he was going to do, he did. You see, he was a great man. I didn't always know it. Didn't always appreciate it. But he absolutely was. And he gave to me a, a gift I know I never can repay. Some of you may get gifts today. And maybe you'll get a cap. Or a t-shirt. Or a mug. Or a trophy or something. And, and uh, it might say on it, world's greatest dad. Uh, congratulations. These are, uh, these, are, these are the reasons that I'm a dad. These are, these are my kids. Uh, at least they, they used to be. They, they still are. They don't look like this anymore. Uh, I remember when that picture was first made, we were at the Lord's Chapel, and a friend of mine looked at it and said, Valerie, huh, she looks like she just let all the air out of your tires. And I said, <laughs> yes, kind of does, you know. <laughs> Our son, uh, Isaac, has five daughters, so he's, he's a dad, he's a father, and, uh, and he's a really good dad, uh, and he, he was a really good son. He got a spanking every day, but he was a really, really good son. Uh, I say every day, some days he got more than one, but, but he... Uh, you know, he had this. He had this. Uh, he had this heart. He had this kindness that sort of that sort of permeated and sort of led the family in a lot of ways. When he was when he was a, a little boy, when he was a, a young child, really, he uh, I mean, he couldn't leave the room without kissing you goodbye. I mean, that's just the way that it was, you know. And that's still the way that it is. I mean, if we're gonna. If you see, if, if I'm going to see him initially, the first time I see him, we're going to hug, we're going to kiss. Whenever we leave, we're going to hug, we're going to kiss. That's just it. Isaac's always, always kind of been that way, and it sort of set a tone, really, for uh, for his his uh, his younger sisters and for the for the family. And he always uh, he always would say to me, "You're the best dad," and I would say, "Well, you're the best son." Yeah. Uh, and over the years, we've had some challenges. Uh, we've had some big challenges at times over the years. But you know what? He's always been the best son. And I think I've always been the best dad. I, I don't know. Uh, at least I, I think that's when it's in his heart. And maybe you'll get a world's greatest dad something or other today. But, but the question that I have is, what does that mean? Does it mean the world's richest dad? Does that mean that you, you know, to be the greatest dad, you have to have the most money? Is that what makes you a great dad? Uh, I think not. In fact, it's uh, probably very difficult to be a really rich man and a great dad at the same time. Uh, your attention might be a little bit divided. Uh, and yet, when we think of that term great and greatness, 
we think of it in the world's context. And so one of the first things that we, you know, if you think of a great man, probably one of the first things that's going to pop into your mind, one of the first names is going to be somebody who's rich. Got a lot because that's the way the world looks at things. Yet Jesus said that when the word comes into our hearts, it is made unfruitful by the deceitfulness of riches. So, all right, maybe not uh, the richest dad, a great greatest dad. Does that mean the strongest dad? My dad can beat up your dad, huh? You know, that's just wrong. I don't know. I mean, you know, that guy may be a nice guy, but I tell you what, you don't get that way without really focusing a lot of time and attention into getting that way. And so once again, the attention is divided. How about, uh, there's no correlation between your muscles and how good a dad you are. Just saying. How about the world's most handsome dad? There he is. George Clooney's hair. Yeah, what, what's uh, what, what's the uh, the eyes? Bradley Cooper, Bradley Cooper's eyes. Yeah, um, Brad Pitt's nose. I, I think my nose is actually pretty good, but it's not there. You know, jawline and all that stuff. That's really creepy, <laughs> quite frankly. And looks. That's one of the things that we attach to that word greatest. You know, the world's sexiest man. Men aren't sexy. I'm sorry. You know, uh, that's magazine fodder is what it is. And when 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 Samuel went to uh, to anoint David, and he didn't know he was going to anoint David, and and David's brothers were passing before him, and he was so impressed. It says, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And if you've got a long memory, you may go, well, you shared that verse two weeks ago. Yes, I did. And I may share it next week. Because we are bombarded with just the opposite of it. The rest, you've been bombarded with the opposite of it for the last two weeks. So I just thought I'd remind you what God has to say there. Well, what about maybe maybe the, the most feared dad? Is that the greatest dad? Does everybody look back in fondness and go, oh man, my dad, I was so scared of him. That's it, wonderful. Yeah. No, Frankenstein was feared. She didn't want to hang out with him. You didn't want to spend time with him. Learn things from him. We use that word great in a lot of contexts. The greatest, we want something to be the greatest. And we're generally thinking in, in, in terms of, of the richest. We're thinking in terms of the strongest. We're thinking in terms of the most feared. We're thinking in, uh, in, in those kind of terms, the best looking. But that's all wrong. See, that's the way the world looks at that. That's not great. That's not, that has not, none of those things has anything to do with greatness. It's the way the world looks at things, and the whole world is under the control of the evil one. That's what it says in 1 John 5.19. How about being loved and admired and somebody being able to look at and go, I want to be like that. That's what I want to be like. Now, then maybe we're getting on a little track now about greatness. This is what Jesus had to say about greatness. 
his disciples, uh, he asked his disciples, what were you discussing on the road? And they didn't have anything to say because they'd been arguing about who was the greatest. And he said, if you want the first place, if you want to be the greatest, you got to be the servant of all. How do you serve them? That's very simple. You love them. You just, you love them. See, love is sometimes hard, but it's always simple. It's always simple. I mean, we, we, we try to go, oh, no, no, it's complicated. No, our, our silly emotions are complicated and, 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 and our relationship entanglements get complicated. Love is simple. Love is very simple. And one of the things, just, just very quickly, I'll, I'll go through some things. You know, if you're a dad and you got kids in the home, one of the first things you need to do is show them how much you love their mom. You know, uh, treat her the way you want your daughters to be treated when they get married. So that your daughters will see that's how I'm supposed to be treated. So that your sons will see that's how I'm supposed to treat a woman. Because they're, they're learning from you. When, when, uh, when we do marriage vows these days, if, if I'm doing them and they're leaving, it to, leaving me to my own devices, which usually they do, uh, you know, I no longer uh, have the guy say, love, honor, and cherish. I mean, what, what? Cherish. Uh, cherish is the word something. Anyway, uh, but let's get biblical. I promise to love her and lay down my life for her as Christ laid down his life for the church. Yeah. That's got some meat on the bones. This doesn't mean that you do everything for them. No, I mean, that, that's not always love. There are things you need to let them learn how to do and, and, and all. But it means that you give them what they need. Give them what they need. And what they need is you. What they need is you. They need your time. Man, I don't, I don't have much time. I've got to, you know, they want this and they want that, and I, I want to give them that, so I've got I to gotta spend a lot of time, you know, I've got I to gotta put in the overtime and I've got to do this and that so they can get, they don't need another thing. They need you. Somebody else can, can make the cars and sell the stocks and cut the grass and pastor the church. You are the only dad they got. They need your time. They need your wisdom. You may go, uh, you know, I've never really been known for my way. You're smarter than an eight-year-old. You, you know, you've, you've done some things. You've been some places. You've seen some mistakes. You, you, you know how to navigate some things. Go, well, they don't be yeah, but they won't listen to me. One of the things I learned about Isaac was that when I would tell him something, he was really good at performing. He, he was really good at performing the characterization of a son not listening to his father. But a week later, a month later, three months later, I'd overhear him telling his friends what I had just told him before. It had gotten there. You don't know if they're listening or not. Go, just tell them. Just go ahead, go ahead and tell them. They need your wisdom. They need some direction. 
and I need your approval. This is my beloved son. This is my beloved daughter. I'm pleased with him. I'm pleased with her. The power of that unconditional love and approval from a dad cannot be overestimated. You know what? They know mom loves them because she's mom. Dad, you need to say it. You need to say it. I love you. I love you. I I, I want to close here with sharing the sweetest moment I think I ever had with my dad. See, my dad was, you know, he, he was brought up in a pretty rough situation. You know, like I say, uh, sharecropper's widow, uh, West Tennessee, depressed area before the Depression even came. And you know, it wasn't exactly warm and fuzzy. All right, so he he didn't know he didn't know too much about. And uh, I, I don't know how old I was the first time I ever heard my dad say, "I love you." I was probably in my forties, maybe the first time he finally got around to, "Well, we love you." Yeah. So I mean, that was that was not easy for him. But he was, he was, my mom had passed away and he was probably 90, probably already in his 90s. And I went to see him one day and he was in a somewhat contemplative mood. And he said, uh, you know, I look at you and Isaac and Arwen and Val and the way you all treat each other. And, and I think he began to tear up. I could have had that. Uh, one of the lines in this song is, uh, "Is gentle means of sculpting souls." Took me years to understand. Took me years to understand some things about my my dad. But I think in that moment, I mean, something really broke inside of me, and I began to understand this man better than I'd ever understood him before. Your dad was a flawed man. Your dad is a flawed man. Just telling you. Because because he's a human being. Some of it was his fault. Some of it was pressed on him. Some of it is stuff that was put on him a long time before you came along. But understand this. Find forgiveness. Find the love. And if you're a dad and you feel like, oh man, we're past it. I could have had that. Now, start. How about today? How about, how about begin right now? I, when, I, when I gave my life to Jesus, I, I came in to, to the room, to the building as one person. And when I left, I was a complete, my life had changed. Completely different person. I mean, I, you, I still look the same, but that can happen today. Say, well, I've been saved. Yeah, you've been saved. Now, let's take this step. If you don't get to be 90 and go, I could have had that. Have it now. And if you're, and if you're on the other side of that, if you're, if you're the child, 
you know, don't get to be 90 and go, well, you know, I, I guess it's time to forgive my dad. Do it now. Do it. Walk in freedom now. Begin to lay it down now. You know, I, I ask you at the beginning of, of this sermon, uh, let's have the worship team come on out because I'm, I'm, I'm out of time already. And, and those who are going to serve uh, at the table, if you would, please come on up. Uh, I said at the beginning of the sermon, you know, lay it down. You can do, you can lay it down for 30 minutes. You know, if you can lay it down for 30 minutes, you can lay it down for 35 minutes. And then maybe even 40 minutes. And then maybe even the rest of the day. And at some point, maybe even the rest of your life. Well, this is a point. This will work. Let's do it, shall we? Uh, Yeah, I need to share one other thing. Because, I mean, obviously, you have a father, a heavenly father. You may, not, you may not know his name. He knows your name. And you are his beloved son. You are his beloved daughter. Go, yeah, he's not well pleased with me. Oh, yeah, but it, it's, it's that close. It's that close. I mean, how, how wonderful it is to see maybe a child of yours who's been struggling for years with something finally be able to just put it down and begin to walk in freedom. Oh, I am so well pleased. I mean... It's that close. It's much closer than you think. (sighs) Would you stand? Well.